How about I pray and um, then we'll think more about this week's topic. Heavenly Father, um, thank you that all truth is your truth and um, that we live in a world that um, makes sense and that you don't seek to deceive us, um, but that we can know you um, as you've revealed yourself in Jesus. We can know the way to have eternal life with your Son. And so help us to know how best to lovingly share that with our friends who might be confused on this topic. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a very common phrase. It's truth uh, for you, but it's not for me. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Or hands up if you've ever heard someone say something like that, or you do you, something along those sort of lines. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, It's often something people say. I actually had someone say to me last, last week. When I was at uni ministry, ministry, trying to share the gospel with someone, when they disagree with you, but they don't, they want to kind of be polite about it. And it's the idea, it doesn't really matter what your beliefs are, as long as you're sincere about it. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are, as long as you're sincere. In other words, there's no such thing as truth. And therefore, people are often very offended when you come and claim to have the truth that everyone um, should believe in. And the video that we play in the background here, yeah. isn't that sad? Here's a Christian man in London um, on the street telling people about Jesus. And as you saw there, they didn't want to listen as he said. And so they decided to um, arrest him. And in Western countries like Britain, America, maybe Australia, most people think it's okay to say you're a Christian as long as you leave other people alone. But if you start being like this guy, well, then you're going to really upset everyone. And we don't, we kind of want to, we don't want to listen to that. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he was saying that that applies to everyone, including these police officers. And they said, no one wants to hear that. And so people get cancelled as a result of talking about Jesus. Here's a video, another video, of what happens when people start talking about Jesus. This is the real footage. But this is the tampered Very few people would say, 
that the Holocaust was a good thing, right? But Hitler was very sincere in what he was doing. Okay, there's example number one. Two, no one defends bride burning in India or the daily human sacrifices carried out by the Aztecs. But they were very sincere in thinking that they were making the gods happy when they were doing that. And if tomorrow, I believe I'm a heart surgeon, is anyone in this room going to allow me to do heart surgery on you? No. But I'm really sincere about it. Yes? Oh, thank you. Thank you. We'll this will be the last day we ever see you again. Even if I believed I could be a heart surgeon, all the passion in the world, I don't think any hospital team would allow me to join. See, we simply do not consistently hold to the claim that people can believe whatever they want as long as they're sincere. All by itself, being sincere isn't enough. Why? Because there's such a thing as truth. Which leads to the second question. Can we live without truth? Now, someone may say there's no such thing as truth, but when you travel calmly 30,000 feet in the air, it's the unchangeable truth of aerodynamics that is keeping you in the air. We simply cannot live in this world without truth. How would you respond to someone who says, there is no absolute truth? Is there anything inconsistent with that statement? Does anyone have an answer? Yeah? But is that true then? What they're saying? Yeah, is that statement a universally true statement? Yeah, yeah. The statement, there is no absolute truth, is a truth claim, it's a truth statement. So why should I believe your truth claim if you say there's no absolute truth? Everyone's with me? Yeah. Furthermore, all of us believe some things are wrong regardless of the culture. So a lot of people say, well, in their culture it's okay, but in our culture we do things differently. It's just a cultural thing. What is um, something you think is wrong, no matter where you live or what culture you're from? Chat to the person next to you. Is there anything, the question right there, something you think is wrong, no matter where you live or what culture you're from? Chat to people, people around you. Okay. Has anyone got something they think is wrong regardless of where you're from? Torture? Yeah, torturing people? That should be banned anywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah, Kibo. Genocide, so the mass killing of people is wrong. Oh yeah, I that. Racism should be wrong regardless of culture. David? Slavery should be wrong regardless of culture. Felix? Sin should be okay. Should be wrong. Amen, brother. Yeah? Gender inequality. Okay, thank you. Um, here are some examples that I, I come up with that might also help you in your conversation with people. I come up with random murder killing is wrong regardless of what culture you're from, just randomly killing people. Two, rape is wrong regardless of what culture you're from. And three, cowardice is viewed as dishonorable regardless of what culture you're in. Every culture, in all of history, views cowardice as a thing. Here is another helpful topic that I think your friends are likely to talk about, and that's human rights. So here's two questions you can ask your friends. Firstly, 
Do you believe in human rights regardless of what the rest of your community and culture says? And then point two. Okay, they say yes. What gives us the right to tell other cultures that they need to uphold human rights if there's no such thing as absolute truth? So they've already already said yes to the first one. What gives us the right? And if you're still unsure, I'll share a little story with you. There's a woman who believed in that statement. It's true for you, but not for me. And she was from um, England, I think, and she was working in West Africa. And she was really challenged by the mistreatment of traditional African societies of women. And she was told by tribal leaders she had no right to impose her Western views onto their tribe. If there's no right and wrong, there's just the strong and the weak, who is she to challenge the oppression of the weak by the strong? So she was really conflicted. She was forced to choose between the belief that there's no absolute truth on the one hand, and equal rights are for all people on the other hand. If there's no truth, there's no basis to really say the mistreatment of women in this culture is wrong. And guess what? She chose human rights, and I'm sure all of us would have done the same thing. So if you believe human rights are reality, it makes more sense to believe that there is a God than that there isn't one. Because you can only really have human rights if we're all made in the image of God, and that is a truth for everyone, everywhere. Otherwise, it's just cultural opinion, right? So you can talk with your friends about human rights, but they're likely to agree on that. Now let's turn to the question of God now. Can we test the claim that God exists? Now, I think an important way to tell the difference between truth and people's opinions is if something is testable. Now, the only way to know if something is true is if you can test and prove it's true. You can work out the heights of all the mountains in the world, and you can um, accurately prove Mount Everest is the highest one, unless there's something other mountains come out that I'm not aware of. Um, it's scientifically testable, right? Now. The, um, the World Cup, Women's World Cup is on right now. You can test that it happened because you can watch it on TV and you can talk to people who have actually gone to the Women's World Cup, right? Now, many people think God doesn't pass the truth test. And this is true for almost all religions. Okay, think about it this way. Okay, Islam, Muhammad on a mountain with Angel Gabriel. No one else is there. It was a private experience. But we have to take Muhammad at his word. Islam. Or Hinduism, you were you are a reincarnation from a previous life. Can't really test that, can we? Or Buddhism, you have if you get enlightened, it's a private experience that some people have getting enlightened. You can't test a private experience. Mormonism, you know um, Jack Joseph Smith, um, he had apparently tablets in a hat, and he got this new revelation from Jesus from tablets in a hat. No one else saw the tablets. Or the hat, but we've got to take Joseph Smith's word for it, right? Can't test any of those claims. But Christianity, because of Jesus' miracles, his death, his resurrection, witnessed publicly by lots of people. So you can test it. Okay, listen how John begins one of his letters. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands. That our hands have touched. Hasn't looked out with our hand, but that makes no sense. 
This is proclaimed concerning the word of life. So, John is saying that Jesus, the Son of God, who's always existed, came into the world in human flesh. People saw him, people touched him, and walked and talked with him. You could meet him and test him to find out what he was like. In other words, the claims of the Bible can't just be an opinion. So, does Jesus really pass the truth test? Here's four E's, again, you can try and lock in when you talk to your friends, that help um, you talk about the, the truthfulness of the Bible. Four E's, early written records, eyewitnesses, endangered lives, with the apostles' lives, and empty tomb. Four E's, you can lock that away, write it down or something. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to look at one and two. Okay, early written records. How reliable are the eyewitnesses? Okay, now some people say the eyewitnesses are biased. They really wanted it to be true, so they wrote down something that they convinced themselves was true and they tried to convince other people was true. But Jesus actually never rose from the grave. Now to answer this, let's have a look at the Apostle Paul. Now he's very important because he wrote a third of the New Testament. If you want to disprove the Bible, you go a long way by disproving Paul. Now, Paul was a very devoted Jew. He was in charge of killing other Christians and putting them in jail because he was so strong in his Jewish faith. He says in Galatians 1.13, You've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And yet, on his way to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. And from that point on, his transformation was so radical, Saul becoming Paul, that he became the most persecuted of all the Christians. He was imprisoned, tortured, killed, because he believed he saw Jesus. In fact, two Oxford-educated men, they were so determined to destroy Christianity that they sought about trying to disprove Paul. But here is the conclusion they came up with after looking at his transformation. They said, the conversion and apostleship of St. Paul alone, duly considered, was of itself a demonstration sufficient to prove Christianity to me a divine revelation. You can't account for a transformation in one day of killing Christians to dying to, for Christianity unless he actually believes he saw Jesus. So the eyewitnesses are reliable. The second thing is, how reliable are the early written records that they wrote? Now, you've probably heard of Chinese whispers. People say the Bible's like Chinese whispers. It gets passed on from one generation to, to another until it finally gets written down. And by the, by the end of it, you get something that's not very accurate. So I'll get six, six people up. Can I just get any six people going to do a game of Chinese whispers? Now, close your eyes. I'm going to show everyone the word. Okay. Don't look. Um, 
six junior boys. <laughs> what is the phrase that they told you? Ready, monkey to the street of America. Okay, yeah. Good job. It was purple monkey dishwasher. Okay, well done, guys. You've successfully proven my point. As you can observe from our very confident junior boys, the longer the message got passed on, the more of it was lost until it was almost unrecognizable. People say the Bible got passed down generation to generation, so what was written down ended up being very not like what was the original events that happened. However, the eyewitness accounts recorded in the Gospels were actually written much earlier than multiple generations later. I want to teach you guys how to um, explain to someone when, when the Bible was actually written. Okay, here's, here's a way you can do it. If you follow the logic, I've got the logic up on the board. The logic is, okay, we know that Paul died in Rome, AD 62. Luke wrote two books. His first book was Luke, his second book was Acts. Acts ends with Paul still under house arrest in Rome, he's not dead yet. Which means it must have been written before 62 AD. That's Acts. We know Luke was written before Acts. So therefore, you, you assume maybe five years or something like that. So that takes you, if Acts is about 62, 61, 60 AD, that means Luke is somewhere between 50 and 60 AD, which means, likewise, you've got Mark in that um, ballpark of 50 AD, because Luke borrowed from Mark. We know that. And so if you know Jesus died 30 to 33 AD, you've got Mark being written about 20 years later, Luke being written about 30 years later, right? Um, way earlier than um, what some people talk about. Now, can I get a volunteer? I get with somebody Who's, who wants to jump up here and throw a ball around? Man, okay, all right. Some people, you know, say, oh, like, the Bible was written so long ago, probably the message was dropped, sort of thing. If you know there's only one dollar least to safety. 
In a similar way, Jesus is the only way to God the Father to be forgiven and restored. And the eyewitness testimony gives us confidence with that. According to British law, that street preacher was arrested, but then he was actually released. But in lots of places around the world, Christians are not released. They're put into jail or killed. Why do they do that? Because they're risking their life so others can have eternal life through Jesus. We might find it hard to talk about for having faith in Jesus or get worried people will get offended, that they'll say we're arrogant or not want to be with us, um, our friends anymore. But if we really love our friends, we need to tell them the truth. It's actually the most loving thing we can do is to tell them about Jesus because Jesus is the door to safety. Let's pray that we can do that. Heavenly Father, um, yeah, thank you so much that Jesus is the way to safety, um, that there is hope in this world, uh, there is truth um, to, to finding a relationship with you through Jesus. And so help us to be bold uh, and to be really um, clear in how we chat to our friends about these issues discussed today so that they might um, know that the most um, important thing they can do is, is to trust Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.